Hello, I'm Andrew Vine, and this is Honestly Speaking, the podcast series that shares the insider secrets to recruiting external speakers to deliver successful events. Welcome back to another in the series of Honestly Speaking, the podcast. If this is your first time listening in, then you are very welcome. Today, I have a guest. He's a former CNBC news anchor. And of course, with all that broadcast experience, that makes him a master when it comes to moderating business conferences. He's been in Singapore since 1997. He left CNBC, in fact, to found Hongbao Media, a media and communications business. So he's a media coach and mentor to senior executives. He's an advisor to businesses with their corporate communication strategies. And indeed, he executes live events in a wonderful, fully equipped studio downtown in Singapore. He is, of course, Mark Laudy. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Andrew. Great pleasure to have you on the show. I would just say to everybody, just for full disclosure, that we work together. Um, I am Mark's agent when it comes to moderating engagements around the world, but that's not why I've invited him onto the show. The, the reason, I'm quite honestly speaking, is because he's one of the very best in the business, and that's what we want to do is to learn from the best. So I know he has a number of strong views uh, on on how to do things properly. We'd like to tease those out, and we're also living in a world of quite a lot of disruption with COVID-19. So we'll be able to talk together a little bit about how things have changed and perhaps where we go from here. So very nice, in fact, for me to be interviewing you for a change. Indeed. Well, and I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you, Andrew. Well, before we dive into all of this, I mean, just tell listeners a little bit more about what you do on a day-to-day basis. Well, in essence, you've mentioned uh, I coach senior business leaders and government leaders in uh, how to present themselves in the media. And of course, these days, that's both uh, in the new media as well as the traditional media. And because we operate that TV studio, which you also refer to, we also make that available for live webcasting and live streaming. So really, it's everything behind the camera and everything in front of the camera that I cover. The two things I want to do today is to kind of lift the lid a little on the power and the magic of moderating business events and also talk about uh, our difficulties under present circumstances. You know, first off, you know, I, I use the word power and magic. And I do that deliberately because I do think there's so much to be gained from getting uh, events moderated correctly. I think people get it when you're talking about keynote speakers, you know, you get a powerful person coming in and it really does create a, a wonderful wow factor as well as the pull factor for an event. Tell us a little bit from your perspective, what we've really got to gain by getting it right in terms of well-moderated events. Andrew, there is a reason for why uh, in television there are TV anchors. You know, they kind of hold the whole ship together that as different reports come in, different stories float in, there are a variety of uh, directions that the program can be pulled into. And the anchor's responsibility is to make sure that the show stays on track. So the anchor in a television context really plays uh, an important role to make sure that uh, the whole program comes across as cohesive. Just imagine a television news program without an anchor setting the direction. Which reporter are we going to kick it out to? Which recorded report is now coming in? And what about guests and uh, who's going to interview them? So just as you wouldn't have a television broadcast in a, in a news setting or in a current affairs setting without an anchor, quite honestly, the same wouldn't really work for a conference or an event. The anchor's role there is to complement the main speakers. For example, let's say your first speaker, your keynote speaker in your video conference or in-person conference is the chief executive. Is the chief executive going to introduce himself or herself? Is the chief executive going to run through the uh, the housekeeping notes 
on, uh, you know, what time the tea break will be and where to find the feedback form. I mean, that would just be odd. And so in order to make sure that this chief executive comes across as the keynote speaker presented figuratively on a, on a pedestal, there need to be other people who hold the ship in line much in the same way as in a, in a TV context, which is why I preferred not to use the term moderator or MC, but conference anchor, because that's really the role that you play as a moderator, as an MC. Well, I failed to introduce you correctly, because that is the term that we've coined for you, isn't it? Or you coined for yourself, which I absolutely love, the conference anchor. And yes, it does depend a lot, on, of course, on what type of event we're talking about, because there are big conferences and events in the public domain, which is where they really are much more of a show, whereas meetings that take place inside companies have perhaps a much more functional requirement about them. So it's less about the look and feel, but really managing to, to get the agenda worked. It's not like a speaker who comes, presents and leaves. Uh, it's very much extended member of the team. The role that the moderator plays is absolutely crucial. Yes. Now, of course, you expect me to agree, but there are some important yes. reasons for why that's the case. If you didn't have a, a conference anchor or a moderator, the main speaker having to then invite people to complete the feedback form on their own presentation, that's just odd. Oh, and then they call for the feedback form, then they throw to the break. But there, there is another role that the moderator or the conference anchor needs to play. And that is, you might call like the unspeaker, you know, the, 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 the complementary role. You see, as a presenter, your job is to influence and persuade your audience. It doesn't really matter what it is. Maybe it's the concepts that you're famous for. Perhaps you're giving a presentation uh, showcasing some uh, recent analysis of the data that you've crunched, whatever it happens to be. As a moderator, your job is actually to be there to ask questions on behalf of the audience. The moderator or the conference anchor is not there to take the side of the speaker. The moderator is there to empathize with what it's like to be in the audience. The moderator is there to take the position of a member of the audience. The moderator is there to ask the questions that members of the audience would if they had the chance or the courage. Very, very good points. It reminds me that one of the failings I see is the lack of sometimes of planning right from the word go. It's your meeting. You're putting a lot of time, money, and effort into achieving certain objectives. I worry sometimes that things are not fully thought out. What is it you want to achieve at the end of the day? Not just for you as the organizer, but as you rightly pointed out, what is it that the audience needs to know? What are the things that we need to unlock, uh, the kind of nuggets of insights? There is perhaps a, a gap between what the organizer wants to achieve and what the audience wants to achieve. I mean, obviously, there are some similarities. There are some um, commonalities, some common ground between the two. But I, I would agree that on occasion, conference organizers are so busy thinking about when their special guest can appear, where their CEO will be, and, or whichever other keynote speaker that they have arranged. Sometimes what the audience takes away from that is lost. So, for example, sometimes the conversation is, oh, well, we ought to have this panel because we, this person is available at this time, or this particular presentation should be 45 minutes or even an hour and a half because of what the speaker has to say. And of course, I have some sympathy for that. But on the other hand, you know, you need to then swivel around and say, okay, well, what does that look like from the audience's perspective? Is the speaker credible and knowledgeable as they may be? Are they actually able to hold people's attention for an hour and a half? 
just because a speaker is knowledgeable doesn't necessarily mean that they're a good presenter, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah, and that was the point I wanted to make. You know, I think that sometimes there seems to be an obsession with designing the program with certain speakers in mind, which could be your own people from the organization, or it could be that, that person you've invested a lot of money in as a keynote. But they think that the job's done once they've got the agenda filled. What they fail to then follow through on is thinking more critically about how. How is it going to work? What are the dynamics? How are we going to tease out the things that will matter to us and to our audience? When I was at the Economist Group, we could attract any kind of speakers we wanted back in those days, you know, because we had the brand, right? Everyone would come and we would go, wow, we've got this great person as a speaker at our conference, but they weren't a good speaker. They were just a great person. It was such a disappointment to find that uh, the keynote speaker came with some kind of prepared speech that a marketing communications person or a PR person perhaps had written for them. Wow. And you didn't get the real insights. You really didn't get the inside story. Yes. Well, I would add to that that the role of the moderator has also changed a little bit in that time, precisely when you take the audience's perspective rather than the speaker's perspective mm -hmm. on the needs of the corporation. And and the, the conversation that we really haven't had to the to the extent necessary is the question of interactivity. In a conference setting pre-COVID, in-person events physically present at a conference center in a hotel ballroom. Sure enough, there was an opportunity to put up polls or ask questions in a Q&A. But the presence, you know, being actually at that conference in and of itself was already valuable because you were able to network. You were able to go outside and help yourself to the refreshments. There were people next to you who you could talk to in the coffee break. In an online environment, clearly all of that isn't present. There is no networking, really. And the platforms that allow for virtual networking don't really provide the same serendipitous, you know, bumping into somebody at the buffet type of experience. There's no free coffee. And so consequently, the effort that needs to be put in to keeping your audience engaged goes up. It would be nice if you did have a good quality speaker who did write their own speech. That's if they're, they're giving a speech at all. And, and of course, it would be great if that speaker was able to hold people's attention. Mm. But because online, we have so many other opportunities to do other things. For example, write emails, uh, answer WhatsApps. Chances are, for you listening to Andrew and I speak, chances are in the 13 minutes or so that we've been speaking, you've probably answered a few emails in that time. And so... The conversation that we really ought to have is what is this two-hour Zoom call like from the audience's perspective? What additional ways do we need to add to interact? And that's where we really need, that is you really need, to have a conversation around, you know, go far beyond the traditional Q&A and polling. How about word clouds and brainstorms? How about quizzes? And, and, and there are some fabulous platforms out there that allow you to, to do all of that so that people don't multitask on email and WhatsApp. You need the moderator to manage that. The CEO giving the keynote presentation is not going to be a, you know, clicking here and clicking there in order to activate the, the brainstorm or the word cloud. The moderator's role has actually grown substantially as a result of COVID to take all of these interactivity options into account. The stakes are really so much higher now. But even going back to the good old analog world, having that great keynote speaker, what you want to do is unlock the, the real person from within. A, a great tool to do that is, in fact, to throw away the speech completely. 
and to do something like a live on stage or live on screen or where it is now conversation. And that's where the skills of a professional moderator really come into their own because not many people can really pull that off. But of course, people have been a TV news anchor, obviously do that day in, day out. It drives marketing communications people in a, into a spin because they don't know what the hell is going to happen. But within a little bit of management, you can sit down with someone and say, look, we're going to cover these topics, but I want to talk to you. Well, let's really have a conversation about the things that the audience wants. Let's get the real story. Yes, I fully agree. Now, even pre-COVID, that move towards more of a conversational presentation style was already something that we were teaching. Because, you know, if you lose people's attention standing behind the rostrum in the opening five minutes, or you were talking over people's heads with information that you assumed they knew, but they actually didn't, then come the end of your presentation and Q&A time, you'd be hard pressed to get any questions because you left people on the track, you know, uh, uh, 15 minutes earlier. But certainly that's even more so now online where people, if they do lose track of what you're talking about or they're not able to, to follow, then they will maybe stay logged in but head off to emails, WhatsApps and Facebook. So, yes, that, that conversation style and more of an, you know, kind of like an ask me anything mm-hmm. type of interaction is far better than some sort of scripted notes. And, and the same incidentally also goes for the Q&A. This idea that we have to have a 20-minute presentation and 10 minutes of Q&A at the end, or you know, 45 minutes of presentation and 15 minutes of Q&A at the end, really ought to be banished to history. Firstly, people don't just have questions. Your knowledgeable audience might have contributions of other sorts. That would be useful to hear during the interaction, the conversation. The reason why we had this 20 minutes presentation, 10 minutes Q&A is because in a physical conference room, that was very disruptive. If somebody raised their hand in the middle of a presentation or stepped up to the microphone, you know, 15 rows back from the stage and then literally interrupted the speaker, then yes, it it was a little bit jarring. And the the speaker might very well have said, oh, I'll I'll get to that actually in in five slides from now. Oh, and then the person who asked, you know, sits down in a fairly embarrassed sort of way. In an online environment, all of that has changed. The questions come in while you're speaking. Sure. But they're not interrupting you. They'll just pop up on your on your chat function or if you're using Pigeonhole or Slido or SparkUp or Mentimeter, right? It'll just pop up in, in, the, in the Q&A function. You don't have to take it there and then in the same way as somebody stepping up to the microphone 15 rows from the front. Perhaps you are going to address that question five slides later. Well, hold that question. And then when you naturally get to the answer to that question five slides later, you might then even say, all right, now Thomas has uh, sent in this question. Thank you, Thomas, for uh, submitting this one. Thomas, you're asking X, Y, and Z. Well, look at the screen now because that's exactly the question I'm about to address. So as I said, this whole nonsense of you know Q&A at the end really goes very much against what you were saying, Andrew, about having much more of a conversational presentation style. Mm. It also strikes me what you need now is a lot more agility. But we have the tools to, to do that. And the winners at the end of the day will be the audience. The audience drives everything. There are times when I think organizations feel like they should be using their own stuff. A bit of a dilemma sometimes when people say, well, yes, I know we could get someone with the right skills in, but they don't understand our industry. But sometimes there's a trade-off between shall we get someone with the skills or do we get someone with the depth of knowledge of our industry? Now. 
the kind of answer that I would give would be, well, it really does depend a lot on how much this is a show and how much it's really all about maybe an internal discussion. Maybe the, the look and feel of it doesn't matter quite so much and you really need to get down to the nitty gritty. But assuming you need both, the problem is that perhaps if the clay is not right, if you haven't got people that got the right skills, no amount of practice in the short term is going to change that. Whereas if you get someone who's a TV journalist thinking on their feet, doing research ahead of an interview, this is what they do all of the time. And so with a couple of months notice, you should be able to get people prepared. Yes, or even a couple of hours. I mean, it really depends on who you have in front of you and also uh, who the audience is. So I, I do agree with your point that if you are going to pick an industry veteran, they will not necessarily, in fact, highly unlikely, they will have that, that smooth approach to quickly get in and out of, uh, of presentations. Uh, to your point about gearing up for interviews, I would agree that the moderator should know what they're talking about. I suspect part of the reason why organizers don't give conference moderators, conference uh, anchors, the, uh, the attention that they should is because in their mind, all the anchor does anyway is read from, you know, some pre-scripted questions, read some questions from a palm card, follow a line of questions irrespective of what the guest has actually said. So, you know, you'd be much better off having somebody who is who does have that the ability to move uh, the conversation along, who knows how to interrupt people if they're droning on endlessly, who knows how to deal with recalcitrant questions from the floor, and who is able to research the industry sufficiently in order to hold the conversation in a credible way. Remember what I said earlier, the conference moderators, conference anchors role is not to be another presenter. They're there on behalf of the audience. If your audience is anyway, let's say, a less sophisticated audience, then their experience in finding out the material from the, the expert speaker is the same as the moderators. In other words, we can find these, this information out together. And as the moderator, I don't need to be the industry expert because the audience isn't either. And the questions that I'm like for will ask may not be the most sophisticated ones, but they will gel with the audience. In an event where you do have a sophisticated audience, then clearly the conference anchor doesn't need to know much more about the industry uh, because you don't want to ask um, you know, basic questions. But here, a good conference anchor will have a conversation with you about not just what's been happening in your industry. You can read that up yourself. But what are the finer points of this discussion? Where are the... The, the sticking points, the undercurrents, the elephants in the room. What are the red flags that should or should not be asked about? And finally, Andrew, also, you know, what is the color to, to this whole industry that will make all the difference between somebody who reads prepared questions from a palm card and one who's actually able to f uh, work with and manage the conversation flow? And this all speaks to the point I made earlier about the role of a moderator or conference anchor is, is a partner with the organizing organization. Especially important, I think, when you're running panels as well, because you need to be able to make sure that you're getting the right output, bringing the the people in at the right time and not let not letting them off using the right kind of uh, pressure to be able to ensure that the objective of that session is achieved. A lot of skills there, Mark. As a conference organizer, you're kind of convinced that you need an external person. What would you say are the skills that they need to be looking out for? I mean, you've mentioned them all. Let's kind of summarize them a little bit. What would be the essential skills you need to make that investment really a no-brainer? 
Well, number one, research skills so that uh, no matter what the industry is that you're in, that they're able to pick up fairly quickly on what the main points are, as I've mentioned before. Two, clear diction. Three, leave their ego outside the door. The conference anchor is not the star of the show, right? Your keynote speaker is the star of the show. You're there to support the keynote speaker. And four, I guess, is a certain level of empathy for what it's like to be in the audience uh, and to be able to judge, you know, when the audience is getting restless or is stuff being talked about here on the panel where you hear this ripple of conversation go through the audience. Obviously, somebody on the panel has said something quite controversial. So you need to be able to have that empathy, I suppose, to to straddle both your role on stage interviewing uh, panelists and the, the offstage view from the audience's perspective. Now, so when you say the essential skills, that sounds fairly black and white, but actually what I'm suggesting is that it's the, the nuance that really makes the difference between good and great. So really great points there. To finish up then, we've touched on virtual events to a certain degree. The world has been turned upside down by this, and many organizations have responded very quickly. I think the the organizations that run events for a living, this is what they do, that's their business, have had no choice but to revert very quickly. Many corporates, though, I've found have kind of put the finger on the pause button. They felt that, you know what, maybe we'll just wait. But this waiting game's gone on too long now. And I think now there's a a little bit of a scrambling to kind of catch up and say, look, we've got to re-engage with our audience, with our our customers, even with our own staff. Where do you see this going? Of course, everybody wants to get back to live events as soon as possible, because that's what makes us human, right? But where do you really think things are heading? Do you think we'll go back to the way they were in, say, 2019? Or do you think there's a certain degree of stickiness now that we will have learned tricks that we will incorporate into our day-to-day running of events and meetings? Well, I think everybody listening to this podcast, uh, you'll be able to put yourself in uh, in the shoes of answering that question yourself too. Are you really going to be flying hither and thither for a one-day meeting? I mean, we used to do that pre-COVID. Are we really going to do that now? So I'd say, Andrew, there are going to be certain events that will stay virtual. You know, and I, I'm not seeing either my customers, you know, insisting that I that I fly to another city for for a meeting, where they themselves would be quite happy to use Zoom Teams or Blue Jeans or one of those platforms. You know, to your point about uh, will we return to some other sort of model, I, I do see hybrid as a possibility because there there are certain things that you can do in a in a physical event that you simply cannot do online. And I mentioned networking as one of those. I know there are platforms out there that allow that facilitate networking. But uh, networking usually starts with a serendipitous bumping into somebody at the coffee bar. In other words, in a very lean back sort of environment, whereas you simply cannot do that online. Most of the platforms that offer networking want you to pair up before the event. So it's very much a lean forward experience. You know, you're, you're determined to meet this particular person and then you schedule some time. To <clears throat> so, so there are benefits from a, from a physical event that will then complement those who just want to know the information, who just want to be part of the panel, who just want to listen to what the speakers have to say. So I suspect people will have a choice of which they want to do. The only thing I would caution is that uh, the event management industry, which for the fact that they were so flummoxed by the uh, by the COVID crisis, have revealed themselves to be pretty inadept at going with the technological flow, will go through yet another learning curve. Because a, a hybrid event is simply not a physical event with cameras. 
Mm. Um, if you take that approach, you're going to alienate both your audiences. And there really needs to be, in addition to con- you know, having a conversation about interactivity tools, there needs to be a much, much deeper conversation about how to run a hybrid event properly. And I'd say most people are really just at the beginning of that learning curve. If you don't think that there is a difference, you've got a big learning curve ahead of you. I see the appeal of hybrid. In fact, you and I were talking about it some months ago, and I was quite enthusiastic about the point. But since then, talking to some of the people I've been working with, they've said it's like fusing together two completely different events into one. How do you as a speaker or a moderator, um, how do you address both audiences simultaneously? Do you talk to the live crowd and just let the virtual people observe? You don't need to do that live, right? If you've been in the studio audience of a talk show, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The, the host who we see from our lounge rooms as looking into the camera, when they're looking into the camera, they're not looking at the audience. Yeah. It sounds obvious, but what that in essence means is that as, as a member of a studio audience, you're actually the second rate audience because the host is not addressing the, the 50 or 200 people in the studio auditorium. They're addressing the 2 million people who are watching at home. That's made up for in the commercial breaks when the hosts then say things which the viewer at home doesn't see. So if you can, if you can kind of get your head around that little anecdote, then you can start to understand why a hybrid event is not going back to the, the traditional stage with the backdrop and cameras at the back of the conference hall. Those days are gone. And the faster event managers understand that, the greater the likelihood that they'll survive the next two years. Well, Mark, thank you so much for your time today. Some really, really interesting insights there that I think we can all take away. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And until the next time then, this has been Andrew Vine with Mark Laudy in Singapore, Honestly Speaking. Thanks for joining. To have access to the archive of podcasts in the series, please visit honestly-speaking.net. If you have questions or topics you think need addressing, please submit them to podcast at honestly-speaking.net. Or if what you really need is some one-on-one advice, then contact me via andrew at honestly-speaking.net.